World Cup, World Cup, every four years it's the World Cup, World Cup. If you don't pick up a grunge in the build-up, then we'll love it when you score a goal. Ooh, did you see that? World Cup, World Cup. It might all end in tears or a headbutt. Head you can follow all the blogging on your laptop. laptop. From Slovenia to Slovakia, from Nigeria to the Côte d'Ivoire. Ah, Côte d'Ivoire. The Guardian and Observer, packed with World Cup coverage every day. The Guardian. My name's John Dennis. Today's podcast focuses on the fallout to Israel's assault on a flotilla carrying aid to the Gaza Strip. The attack, which left at least 10 pro-Palestinian activists dead, has triggered widespread international condemnation. And in Israel, political problems for the government. The political establishment um, has been criticised quite widely, and in particular, Defence Minister Ehud Barak has been singled out for blame with several calls for him to resign. It raises questions about how long Israel can sustain its blockade of the Hamas-controlled territory. I would argue that what's happened over the last 24, 48 hours increases the pressure on Israel to ease the blockade for humanitarian reasons. And as you say, we've seen the Egyptians who are also complicit in this because they blockade the southern border of, of, of Gaza. We've seen them uh, easing the restrictions and opening the crossing point, though they have done this before and we don't know how long this is going to to last for. We'll hear the view from America, Israel's staunchest and most powerful ally. The question of how much loyalty uh, American Jews will feel to Israel going forward uh, as the occupation continues and, and, and uh, policies like the uh, Gaza blockade continue uh, is a really burning question right now. The flotilla was trying to break the Israeli blockade of Gaza, which has been enforced for the last three years. What really happened when Israeli naval commandos stormed the Mavi Marmara, the flotilla's lead ship? Israel says its troops were acting in self-defence. This is Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, Gaza has become a base for Hamas terrorists backed by Iran, from which they fired thousands of rockets into Israel. They're amassing thousands more rockets to fire at our cities, at our towns, at our children. Our policy is this. We try to let in all humanitarian goods into Gaza, all uh, peaceful commodities, food, medicine, and the like. What we want to prevent coming into Gaza are rockets, missiles, explosives, and war material that could be used to attack our civilians. This is an ongoing policy, and it was the one that guided our action yesterday. The Free Gaza movement, which organised the flotilla, contradicts Israel's version of events, insisting that the Israelis opened fire before boarding the flotilla. But this was what one Israeli soldier said about what happened in footage released by the Israeli Defence Force. We came down using the other rope one by one, and every guy that descended was met by three or four people. And they just started beating him up, tearing him to pieces. It was a lynch. Every guy that came down the ropes was taken aside, and everyone there had metal rods, knives, slingshots, glass bottles. At one point they started firing live rounds. Two guys there had live ammunition. They started hitting me with metal rods, and while defending myself, I guess I broke my arm. The UN has called for an inquiry into the assault, 
though the UN Security Council stopped short of full condemnation. In Britain, the Prime Minister David Cameron described the assault as unacceptable. The British human rights lawyer Michael Mansfield had planned to be on the flotilla. He gave his reaction to The Guardian at the Hay Literary Festival. Questions absolutely have to be asked. Nick Clegg writes to The Guardian last December, in which he says this blockade has to end, and if they don't do it voluntarily, then the international community has to act. I wrote to him about this three weeks ago, predicting that this convoy was going to be intercepted illegally in international wars, and that the Royal Navy should be there to protect British citizens, if for no other purpose. The British government knew this was going to happen. The Israeli authorities and the state said they would intercept this flotilla. Nobody lifts a finger. Well, what do ordinary Israelis think about the raid? Here's what some told Matt Haywood in Tel Aviv. I feel ashamed to be Israeli today. We must, and I think the entire world is now united with the cause of the Palestinians and the cause of, uh, of breaking the siege on Gaza. The act of the Israeli soldiers and the Israeli army yesterday was an act of piracy. And do you think uh, the majority of Israelis share your view? Absolutely not. I think the entire Israeli society is getting more and more aggressive, more and more blinded by hate and security as an excuse for any action uh, of aggression towards both the Palestinians and the activists on the boats. I, I think the global coverage has been a little bit uh, one-sided because if you weren't familiar with the situation through the last several days, then you would think that it was out of nowhere atrocity. But with more context, I, I think this whole situation was pretty avoidable. And in terms of the IDF and, and their operation, was it a success? So, no. I think the ships had to have been stopped, of course, for security reasons. No, I don't find that a success either. I find it tragic. I think the only success in this was a good marketing for the people on the ships. First, I feel, I feel horrible for the soldiers. That ship wasn't, wasn't at all in good intentions. I don't think they really care about the Palestinians in Gaza. If they would care, they would want the food to get to them, but they were obviously ready for a battle with all of the knives. And I think it's just a shame that our soldiers are also hurt, and it's a waste of life and a waste of time. I really don't think that uh, the mission was uh, to go out and uh, to, the, to take life of anyone. But events that uh, occurred brought to the soldiers to react the way they reacted. Because according to what I know, because I was in the army and I know how we, re how we have to react to every situation, there is uh, distinctly a rules about engaging with the crowd. If the soldiers had to use live ammunition, I truly uh, believe they were brought to that uh, reaction. So perhaps it wasn't a successful operation, but you feel that Israel was justified? The operation was not, didn't went so well. Everybody knows that. I, I think everybody knows that. But still, you have to understand, we don't want to engage in combat for no reason. We don't, we don't train our people to, okay, we're gonna live in Israel, so you have to kill people. We don't want to kill anybody. We don't want to fight with anybody. And this was a climax. I hope it was the first and the last climax that took uh, people's life, but still, this is where people will say, it. Um, if, you had, if we had to do it again, I'm sure we, we still had to do the same thing over and over again. Matt Haywood reporting from Tel Aviv.
The Guardian's Middle East editor, Ian Black, says the interception of the flotilla looks like a disastrous own goal for Israel. Well, Israel's position in this is that it, against much international opposition, uh, it wants to maintain the blockade of the Gaza Strip because it's opposed to Hamas, the Palestinian movement that, that controls it. I say international opposition. Actually, there's been a good deal of international acquiescence in that policy. In a sense, it's backed by the United States, and uh, people have called for it to be eased. But nevertheless, uh, the Americans, the British, the Europeans have, have 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 let it go on, despite all the evidence of a humanitarian crisis, and and Israel's own policy of isolating and undermining Hamas, not working. So I think the reason this is an own goal is that it's the interception of the Freedom Flotilla has drawn attention to this policy in the most dramatic possible way. And apart from the obviously you know, regrettable deaths of the people on board, uh, this uh, the Flotilla has been tremendously successful in highlighting the issue of the siege of Gaza. And so we've heard, sense, it's obviously you know, against Israel's own interest to have had that outcome. We've heard today that Egypt has lifted its blockade on the southern border. I mean, how, how long do you think the blockade is sustainable? I would argue that what's happened over the last 24, 48 hours increases the pressure on Israel to ease the blockade for humanitarian reasons. And as you say, we've seen the Egyptians who are also complicit in this because they blockade the southern border of, of, of Gaza. We've seen them uh, easing the restrictions on opening the crossing point, though they have done this before and we don't know how long this is going to, to last for. But I think the direction is clear. But the issue having been highlighted in this very, very dramatic, melodramatic way, um, there will be attempts to to ease, to lift uh, the, the siege. That's linked to another highly sensitive question about the attitudes to Hamas. Basically, the Western world follows Israel, follows America, and boycotts Hamas. It says this is a terrorist organization. It doesn't recognize Israel. It doesn't recognize previous peace agreements. It's opposed to the PLO, which is negotiating, albeit with difficulty and fairly reluctantly, with an Israeli government, which is also negotiating reluctantly. The question is whether it will increase pressure for governments to open a dialogue with this political organisation that they have so far largely shunned. The Russians have done it. President Medvedev met recently with the Hamas leader. That was quite a significant change. But the political questions that arise from this, the episode of the flotilla are urgent and important ones. And there's a sense that they may be looked at now with with new through new eyes, if you like, uh, in in the light of this this confrontation that we've seen, um, that's the theory. In practice, of course, there may be international outrage and condemnation of we've seen. And the question is then: Does anything happen as a result of it, or do people shrug their shoulders and say, "Well, you know, that was a regrettable incident. Back to business as usual." That's the question for now. How concerned will Israel be about the reaction of Turkey to what happened? The Turkish reaction has been very strong. Um, I think it was always going to be interesting that this uh, flotilla was organised with a large part Turkish participation because Turkey and Israel used to have, until a couple of years ago, rather good relations. It's a, Obviously, it's a Muslim country, though a secular one. It's not an Arab country. It's in the Middle East. Um, and Israel and Turkey used to get on really rather well. That's all changed in the last couple of years. Uh, the Turks were outraged at the war in Gaza last year. There were huge demonstrations against Israel. There's been repeated diplomatic spats between uh, the Israelis 
and the Turks, including one extraordinary incident where the deputy Israeli foreign minister was photographed towering over the Turkish ambassador, who was deliberately seated on a, a lower seat than he was, and he pointed to this as, as a, a symbolic indication of Turkey's position vis-à-vis Israel. Erdogan, the Turkish prime minister, stormed out of a conversation at Davos, the international global forum with the Israeli president, Shimon Peres. So there's been a lot of tension in the relationship, and we've seen it come to a head over this. Turkey now has very good relations with Syria, Israel's enemy, and of course with Iran too, Israel's arch enemy. The Free Gaza movement, which organised the flotilla, is planning to send more ships to the area. How will Israel respond to that? Well, the, the Free Gaza people clearly see that they're, they're on to uh, uh, something which can hugely increase international attention on the problem they want to highlight. Uh, the Israelis obviously are, are, are in serious trouble internationally. Uh, I, I would have thought that the stage is set for future confrontation because this issue isn't going to go away. The question is whether the Israelis will learn from the apparently you know, terrible errors of this uh, interception and the deaths of the of the of the people on the ship uh, to behave differently next time. But the fundamental political issue has been highlighted, but it hasn't gone away. Ian Black. Well, in Israel, the government's now facing political pressure after what's been widely seen as a major blunder. The Guardian's Jerusalem correspondent is Harriet Sherwood. Well, it's very interesting because the Israeli army has not come in for any criticism over what happened, but the political establishment has been criticised quite widely, and in particular, Defence Minister Ehud Barak has been singled out for blame with several calls for him to resign and a number of newspapers have called the operation a fiasco. Why do they think it's a fiasco? I mean, do they think, what do they think Israel should have done differently? Well, no one's really questioning the strategy of trying to stop the flotilla. Everyone very much endorses that. Um, What they're saying is there was a tactical error in sending a relatively small number of naval commandos onto a boat where there were hundreds of activists um, and um, the Israeli press are describing those activists as being kind of armed and ready for a battle and that uh, the naval commandos, in fact, stood no chance, is what they're saying. And one Arab-Israeli MP who was on board the vessel has been speaking. What, What has she said? She said that there was that they didn't expect such a war against us was her um, phrase. She said that the, that she saw dead bodies all over the boat. Um, she said that she thought there was a 50% possibility that she uh, would not survive the operation. And she talked a lot about the kind of the the. The PR battle, the the battle for the narrative of this story with um, Israel officials, military and government officials who are um, putting out their version of events and and only now are we beginning to hear um, a different story coming from the other side. Is this incident likely to shake the Israeli public's faith in the blockade of Gaza and the isolation of Hamas? I'm not sure it will. Um, I think that the um, the Israeli public is obviously very opposed to Hamas, quite supportive of the blockade of Gaza. It's very rare to find people who argue for the blockade to be lifted. I mean, obviously, there is disquiet in Israel about the position of the country globally after what happened yesterday. But I don't think that there's going that we're going to see a a, a sort of sudden surge of support for for easing the blockade. Harriet Sherwood.
In Washington, Michael Tomaski, the editor of Guardian America, wrote on his blog that this event could be a tipping point in the United States. Well, I think just now, over the last month or so, perhaps a little more, there's been a conversation going on in this country about American Jews and Israel and their level of support for Israel as a, as a country people noting the differences uh, in uh, opinions, vast differences in opinions among American Jews generationally. Older Jews who still, who, who were alive perhaps in 1948 when Israel was created and, and feel more uh, emotional connection to it, and younger Jews for whom the occupation is a starker reality than the original founding Zionist humanist impulse. So that divide is very real. It's been a subject of much conversation recently, and just the question of how much loyalty American Jews will feel to Israel going forward uh, as the occupation continues and, and, and uh, policies like the uh, Gaza blockade continue is a really burning question right now. The Obama administration, the initial response to the um, incident was quite cautious. But what do you think will be going on behind the scenes? Well, I think behind the scenes, George Mitchell, who is the envoy uh, to Israel, uh, charged with uh, trying to make some progress uh, in the in the Middle East uh, quagmire, is uh, undoubtedly working furiously uh, trying to get Netanyahu to reschedule that trip to Washington as soon as possible. And, uh, and of course, trying to launch these uh, so-called proximity talks, uh, which would be a precursor to, to uh broader talks uh, about getting uh, getting the peace process back on track. Uh, is that going to work? Uh, who has any idea? It will depend on public opinion in Israel to a considerable extent, uh, whether Israeli public opinion somehow rallies around the Netanyahu government or whether a response to, to this uh, uh, incident is, uh, is so negative that it forces uh, Netanyahu to the table in some way. Also, public opinion in the United States, particularly among American Jews. Uh, so that first point uh, looms large here as we talk about uh, what the Obama administration might do as well. Michael Tomaski. And there's full coverage at guardian.co.uk slash Israel. Today's edition of Guardian Daily was produced by Phil Maynard. My name's John Dennis. Thanks for listening. Listener.